Welcome to the Chronically Courageous Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Howard. Since I was a child, I've had chronic pain, yet was told time and time again that it was all in my head. So I pushed through my symptoms and I built a successful career until I found myself crouched on the floor of my office, barely conscious. After finally getting a diagnosis, I had to learn how to embrace the life I've been given as fully and happily as possible. Now, it's my mission to help you do the same. Join my guests and I each week for inspiring stories and tips on navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Together, I believe we can move forward with courage, passion, and purpose. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Chronically Courageous podcast. Today, I have with me a very special guest. I have Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. She is an Ayurveda wellness expert. She's on a mission to show how Ayurveda is a health catalyst to achieve optimal wellness in modern life. After she received her bachelor's degree in art history from the University of Chicago, she went on to receive her medical degree from Rush University Medical College. While working as an ER physician, she experienced firsthand the limitations of Western medicine. To learn more, Avanti began a 10-year wellness journey during which she studied energy healing and yoga therapy and became a practitioner of the 5,000-year-old ancient healing tradition known as Ayurveda. Today, Dr. Kumar Singh bridges the gap between Western and Eastern medicine, helping patients, students, and holistic practitioners discover the healing wisdom within. Dr. Kumar Singh is also a sought-after speaker and the host of the Healing Catalyst podcast, which, by the way, I've listened to every episode twice. It's wonderful. Highly recommend it. Over the last 20 years of her training, study, and research, Avanti has shared her experience with Fortune 500 companies, elite undergraduate and graduate institutions, and at prestigious industry and medical conferences. She has also been featured in the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and Mind Body Green, and served as a co-lead facilitator of the Faculty Scholars Program in Integrative Healthcare and the Osher Center for Integrative Medicine at Northwestern Medicine. She is also a certified plant-based professional and a certified yoga therapist. She currently resides in Chicago with her husband and two children and recently released her first book called The Health Catalyst. So with that, I would like to welcome Avanti. Thank you, Avanti, so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you, Bonnie. I am too. I am too. Like I said, I've been a big fan of your podcast and I'm just, I'm learning a lot from you and Mm -hmm. I am all about as many things as I can do to come from a place of empowerment with regard to healing. I am on board. I appreciate that. Of course. I would love to start with, you have a very interesting story about what caused you to transition from Western medicine here. You went through, you know, the grueling process of getting your, your medical degree and residency and all of that, and then uh, transition to Eastern medicines. Can, can you tell us a little bit about why? Yeah. You know, I think it's a, it's a very common story that, you know, whether or not you're in healthcare, you have some kind of a health crisis and go looking for answers because the answers that you're finding or the 
the support that you're getting from the Western medical community is maybe not doing enough for you. And so I think that's a common story that I hear a lot from patients and students, but as well as my colleagues, and I experienced it myself personally. And really it came down to, you know, when I was in my training, I was getting sicker and sicker. I was always in pain. I always had headaches, stomach aches, really bad plantar fasciitis in both of my feet, low back pain, constipation. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I just really kind of ignored all of the symptoms saying to myself, oh, this is all because of stress, which of course it's linked to stress, but there was so much more going on underneath that, or in addition to that, that I was ignoring. And, you know, my sort of solution to it was to just push through, take more pain medication, take more this, take more that, and then just get back on the treadmill. Um, And I did that for years and years until I got to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore. And you know, it was sort of something that probably happened over the course of, you know, a year or two of this slow sort of understanding that I really needed to do something, but it was really sort of within a few months that I really had that sort of aha. And it was like, I have to do something. If I don't change my course, I'm going to be sick for a very long time. Or, you know, I don't even know why I'm in medicine. I don't know that I'll be able to help anybody if I don't take care of myself. So that was sort of the the turning point for me. Mm-hmm. And as I said, like many people, I went looking for answers. And for me growing up, so, I mean, I'm a South Asian woman, first generation here. I grew up with the principles and practices of Ayurveda just sort of embedded in the way that we lived. And so I started thinking about where I had come from, both my ancestry, but also, you know, how I grew up and what was the difference from the first 18 years of my life to now, you know, I'm in my late 20s in training and what's happening to me, you know? Um, And that's sort of how I came back to Ayurveda, which is what I grew up with. Mm, Okay. So when you, when you were growing up, were you consciously aware that your family was practicing Ayurveda or was it just kind of a way of life for you all? You know, it was really just a way of life. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my parents immigrated here in the late 60s, a few years before I was born. Um, They came here with lots of big dreams about having a better life for themselves and for their eventual family. And they just did things the way they knew, right? The way that they had grown up. I never really thought about it because honestly, my parents never really pointed it out as like, this is Ayurveda. It was just the way they did things. They didn't really name it. Right. They didn't point it out to me. Um, and so I was sort of oblivious. I just was sort of not oblivious, but I think I just took it for granted. Like, this is just the way you live. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't consider that there was any other way of living necessarily. Right. We ate home cooked meals every day, you know, um, very traditional Indian food. We used uh, herbs and spices for healing. There were natural remedies that we used. Um, we would take medicine also, but there was always like a two-step process, right? Right. Um, first try the natural remedies. And then if that doesn't work and you're in a lot of pain, discomfort, then maybe you go to the medication. Mm. Um, you know, there were certain foods that we ate at certain times of the year, but never really any explanation beyond sort of describing the qualities of cotton cold or, you know, oh, well, that's just not something we eat during this time of year was sort of the answer. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know that I was very consciously aware 
um, because it was just the way that we did things. Yeah. I took it for granted. Which is great. I mean, you know, cause it's mm-hmm. kind of ingrained in you, or at least it was up until you got, you know, went into that, mm-hmm. that path, which I, it's, it's such a familiar story to me. I'm not a doctor, but I, you know, I was in corporate, I had my master's degree and I, you know, had a very mm-hmm. busy career. I was also a single mother. So, you know, going on mm-hmm. that, that treadmill of, of craziness and then, you know, just pushing mm-hmm. through and pushing through and taking things to cover it up and, you know, not just medications, but, you know, using, you know, unhealthy habits to, um, to cope. So yeah, of course. Yeah. So can you explain for my audience a little bit about what Ayurveda is? Yeah, absolutely. So Ayurveda is the healing tradition from India. It's over 5,000 years old, and it is the oldest system of healing that we know of on earth. It contains the roots of most other healing modalities, including traditional Chinese medicine and even Western medicine has its roots Mm -hmm. in Ayurveda. Um, The way that you know, modern medicine, Western medicine is practiced only developed in this century, well, in the 1900s, right? Right. That's, that's really when it became what we know now. Mm. Before that, healing was and medicine was very, very different. It was much more like the healing traditions, the Eastern healing traditions, the traditional healing traditions, than modern medicine, right? And I think that it's very easy for all of us to forget where it came from. So Ayurveda is really what it comes down to, you know, the the basic principle of Ayurveda is that when you live in harmony with nature, with the world that you live in, you will have optimal health, okay, and a vibrant life. And that's really based on this idea that everything in the universe, including human beings, are made of the same five elements, which are space, air, fire, water, and earth. And so if we stay in harmony with the elements that are both within us, because those exist inside of us, and also all of those elements that exist outside of us, because again, those those elements also exist in everything outside of us, we will have, you know, harmonious health, right? We're living in harmony with nature. Um, So really, that's what it comes down to is that it's very much about staying in harmony with nature. The reason that it's so important now for us in in a modern world is that we have so many things from a technology standpoint that allow us to not be in harmony with nature, right? All of these technological advances that we've had, especially probably in the last 30 years or so, right? With the way technology is just like changing every day. Things that were meant to make our lives easier are actually destroying our health, taken to an extreme, right? Without any kind of balance to it. I'm not saying that technology is bad. It's an amazing, you know, the fact that me and you are doing a podcast and having a conversation over the internet right now is pretty amazing, right? It's It's incredible. Yes. Right. It's been, it's been such a blessing in this time of a global pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. As a way for people to still stay connected but taken to an extreme, right? That's the problem. And we tend, especially in Western culture to take things to extremes. Oh gosh, (laughs) Um, yes. And so we're very out of harmony with nature because of a lot of the technological advances and a lot of the the demands put on us as human beings, right? Mm -hmm. To be in 10 places at once, to be answering email 24 hours a day, right? Um, Whatever it is, there's a lot of stress 
or lots of stressors that are, are thrown on us, you know, constantly. So that's really where the power of Ayurveda comes from is really getting back in tune with nature, getting back in harmony with nature. And that's when that healing begins to, uh, begins again. Right. Sounds wonderful. So how, how can we do that? What, what, what are some steps we can take to get back in harmony with nature? You know, so I get asked this question, you know, all the time that, you know, Dr. Kumar saying uh, Ayurveda sounds amazing. It makes sense to me, but where do I start? Right. Um, that's the question I get from both people who are new to Ayurveda, as well as people who have dabbled in it and tried to, you know, take a quiz online or, you know, try to try to do things. And they're always very overwhelmed and confused because it's a very vast science. You know, I've really made it very simplistic mm -hmm. to make it more understandable and accessible, but it's a very complex um, healing tradition. But at the base, it's very simple, right? So really the best place to start is with getting in tune with the rhythm of nature, the daily rhythm of nature. So that means looking at your routines, the things that you do. I always say that, you know, health is not lost, you know, or found when you get to the doctor's office or into the therapy chair, right? Health is lost and then found in the everyday moments of life, mm. in the things that you do every day. That's what determines whether you go down a path of health or down a path of illness. That's really what it comes down to. Right. Um, and so from my perspective, the most important thing that you need to start with when you are first starting on an Ayurvedic healing journey is to start with your routines, what you do on a daily basis. Okay. So that's really the most important thing. Okay, great. So tell me a little bit about your routine. What, it, what does that encompass? Yeah. So, you know, I really, um, I do what I tell my patients to do and my students to do, right? Because if I don't walk the walk, how can I talk the talk? Sure. Right? Yes. So I really, so let me put it out. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about what I do, but let's, I'll make it a little more general so that your, your audience can really benefit from it too. That would be great. Um, because it's not, it's not about, you know, copying what I do because I've been doing this for a while. So there are practices that I do that may not be, things that people are really comfortable doing quite yet in the beginning, right? Right. Um, some of the detoxification types of things that I do on a daily basis, it took me two or three years to finally say, yes, I'm going to start doing that, mm. right? So it's not that, you know, someone who's new should start doing those things. So let's start from the, the, the sort of the, uh, sim the simple version of routines. The most important thing is really to get in sync with the path of the sun through the sky. And that really resets your circadian rhythm, which we know circadian medicine, basically we have an internal bio, biological clock that is coordinated through a whole bunch of different glands that we have and hormonal release coordinated with, with daylight and nighttime, basically with the light, right? So that's the path of the sun. They knew this 5,000 years ago in Ayurveda, they didn't call it the circadian rhythm, mm -hmm. but they said, this is what you need to do is stay in sync with nature. So really looking at, you know, the first thing is looking at what time you're going to sleep, what time you're waking up, what time are you eating your meals? Because sleep and food are the two most important medicines that we have, that we have, that we use daily, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Eat three times a day. We sleep 
for hopefully eight hours a night, right? Somewhere around that. And both processes of eating and sleeping, resting, are the most important for our health. They are mm. critical for our health. So I would say the most important place to start is start with looking at, am I going to bed at the same time every night? Am I waking up at the same time every morning? Am I eating my meals at the same time every day? Now, the reason that that is so important, you know, why routines are so important is that there's predictability, mm -hmm. right? Just as we know that the sun will rise, it'll go through the sky and then set at night every day. We predictably know that that is going to happen, right? right? Whether or not we can see the sun in the sky because of the clouds or whatever else, we know the sun has risen and then it will set. Yes. In the same way. So that's a daily routine that the sun, that nature has. We need to do the same thing. The reason is that when we have that predictability, our minds and our bodies know what to expect next, which then shifts us from the sympathetic nervous system, right? The stress response into the parasympathetic nervous system, mm -hmm. which is the relaxation response. And that is the key, right? It's not that we're not supposed to have a stress response, but the problem is, again, going back to technology and modern living, we are in a stress response all day long, yes. 24 hours a day. Most people are in that physiological stress response because the stressors are coming 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you remember from high school biology, we all saw that image of the caveman, right? Running away from the tiger. Yes. And that was supposed to teach us about the stress response, about the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And what that was trying to tell us is that when there is some kind of danger, stressor, the tiger, we will, our bodies have a natural response that will move us into action and get us to be able to be safe, to escape the tiger. And then once we've escaped the tiger, we'll go into the parasympathetic nervous system and relax. Now, the problem is in our modern world, the tigers are, are jumping out at us every single minute of yes. the day, every single second, right? Yep. So we are constantly in that stress response in the sympathetic nervous system. And that is where every chronic illness, every disease, every symptom can be linked right back to the stress response. Mm. Right. Makes so so the key, yeah. here, right. So the key here is to move from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic. The best way you can do that is by creating these routines, these habits. And again, starting with syncing up with the sun, that's right. the basic thing to do. Okay. So I, I, I didn't, I know it's not just me because I speak to tons of people in the chronic illness community. So mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of people with chronic illness, for some reason, tend to a have insomnia and B mm -hmm. have a routine of being up extremely late at night and then sleeping very late in the morning. I am not mm -hmm. an exception to that. So mm -hmm. what can we do to help us, you know, a like get more restful sleep and get to sleep at a more reasonable hour. That's more, you know, in sync with the circadian rhythms. Mm -hmm. So I think the most important thing is to sort of, you want to move in the direction of the habit that you're trying to um, create for yourself, right? right? This is not an all or none sort of thing. This is not about being perfect. This is not about saying, you know, I got to get my sleep schedule down because I understand everybody is different. It's very easy for me to say, look at your sleep time.
But I'm glad that you're bringing this up because it is a challenge for many people, Mm -hmm. even people who don't have chronic illnesses. Insomnia is a definite problem in this country because, again, of the amount of stressors that we have, our minds are going all the time. Mm -hmm. So, again, moving in the direction of where you want to go, which is to get more sleep, more hours of sleep, more restful sleep, is to create an evening routine, right? Because again, what you're trying to do is you're trying to move into that relaxation mode. You're moving from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic nervous system. So what can you do? You can create routines of relaxation, of of decreasing the activity in your mind. Mm -hmm. That means having what I call a tech Sabbath every evening. So deciding what time the screens are going to go off, whether it's TV, computer, phones, whatever, tablets, Anything that has blue light needs to be turned off by whatever time you choose. I, I choose eight o'clock. That is my absolute cutoff time. I try to make it earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that when I am up late watching TV, and that doesn't mean that you're not going to have those exceptions, right? Sure. Uh, we had a blizzard here this past weekend. I live in Chicago. So, you know, of course, not that we were going anywhere anyway in the pandemic, right, but right. it was one of those times where it's snowing outside for like two days straight. We're all watching TV. I was up really late watching, you know, some program, like a, a series, binge watching it with my family. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of trouble falling asleep that night because my mind was so active, right? But I knew what happened. The point is, is that that, that does happen, you know? So you want to have a tech Sabbath. That's one thing you can do. Create a bedtime routine as far as, you know, I'm gonna go upstairs or go into my bedroom at, you know, 9.30 or 9.15 or whatever it is. I'm gonna have a cup of tea. I'll take it to my bedroom. I'll, you know, whatever it is, some things that are relaxing, mm-hmm. incorporate those into a routine and see what happens, right? Because again, you may still have the insomnia, but at least maybe you're getting a little more restful sleep, right? Maybe you're getting half an hour more of sleep, right? You're moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I would, I would offer as a place to start. Okay, great. Thank you. So you talked a lot about the parasympathetic versus sympathetic and the whole fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So I know for me that I was in a perpetual state of fight or flight for many, many, many years. And I, believe that it was a huge contribution to the decline of my health. Can you talk a little bit about what that does to the body when you're in a constant state of fight or flight and like, you know, what the physiological reactions are from that? I'm yes, I can. Uh, Let's think about how I can make it um, (laughs) not too detailed and involved. I mean, it's really, it comes down to um, the stress response, the physiological stress response that happens in the body is all based on hormones, hormonal release, right? The one that we talk most about is cortisol, right? So there's a, an increase in the cortisol, which causes all kinds of different processes in the body to get you ready for action. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is, is that when you're in that constant state of having that release, it prevents uh, the cleanup that you need overnight, right? we need to be in a rest digest system in the relaxation response for our internal detoxification process to happen. So again, if you're in that constant parasympathetic nervous system, even in the evening at night, and you're so agitated, you're losing out on the detoxification that you need every day. Mm. 
that's probably the simplest way to go through it rather than talking specifically about what hormones that's not, I mean, that's not really needed, no, it's but too I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's not really usable information except that, you know, know that that's what's happening. There's a cascade of hormones that gets released and moves every system in the body into action to help protect you from whatever the stressor is right, right. to protect you. And isn't it true that stress can then cause inflammation in the body? Correct. Right. right. And so that's the thing is that, right. That cortisol release also is linked to inflammation. It prolongs inflammation. Mm. Um, and so again, if you're in a, a pro-inflammatory state for a long period of time, that's when we start getting into the symptoms, the illnesses, the chronic diseases, a lot of autoimmune diseases are believed to be caused by that. Right. There's, there's all kinds of, you know, uh, biological mimicry that will happen in, in chronic disease and in autoimmune disease, right? Those are all cascades that are happening because of the different hormones that sort of stay pushed. Like the, 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 the pedal is always pushed on those yeah. rather than it coming off, mm -hmm. right? Those hormones mm -hmm. that we have in our body are supposed to be released and then, then stopped inhibited from release being released at certain times to support our health when they are always inhibited or always being released and pushed, like the pedal is pushed, that's when all the problems start. Right. Gotcha. So one of the things I've heard you speak about is toxicity and, you know, not just toxicity. And, you know, a lot of times when we think about toxicity, we think about the uh, what's in our food or what's in the air we're breathing, but there's so much more to it than that. And I think it's really important because, you know, we, we really need to control certain things in our environment to the extent that we're able in order to really heal. So can you talk about the importance of, you know, toxicity and what really that means? Yeah, of course. So, you know, in Ayurveda, toxins and toxic load are, are sort of a, a little bit different than what we think about in Western medicine um, or in the Western world. We really think of toxins coming from chemicals, um, and from the environment, from pollutants, those are all toxins. Yes, that's true. But in Ayurveda, we also think about toxins coming from every aspect of our life. And the reason we think about that is that really toxins, or what we call in Sanskrit, amma, it is the idea that anything that is undigested, that comes into the body and the mind, if it's undigested, digested and not in the correct place in the body and not eliminated properly, you know, like taking what you need from it and, and getting rid of the rest. That's when you have toxins or amma that builds up. Okay. Mm. So, and that can be a chemical pollutant, environmental pollutant, but it also can be um, undigested thoughts, undigested mm. emotions, right? Um, there's so many different aspects to toxins. And so I think what's what's really fascinating about Ayurveda is that there are there are clear links between our our emotions, our emotional health and our physical health. And we're, we're proving that in medical science and Western medical science now. And so when we look at toxins, really what I talk to people about is this idea that it's sort of a 360 degree review of your life, right? Toxins come from our relationships, 
from our career, our work, our passions, right? Or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever we're doing um, every day in our lives. It comes from our diet, yes. It comes from the space that we live in, that we work in, that we move in, right? These are all places that toxins are coming from. It comes from our lifestyle and routines. What do we do on a daily basis, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to consider all of these realms of your life to think about, well, where could the toxins be coming from? Because here's the truth is that so many of us in the Western world are very fixated on diet. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong, but if we do that, we're missing a lot of what's going on, right? It's not just the diet. It's the reason that so many people will come to my workshops and lectures and say, I've eliminated this and this and this and this from my diet and mm -hmm. I still don't feel well. Right. And it's not that those, the, the elimination's not helping them. I'm sure it is. It's just that they're missing a big piece of the puzzle. They're not addressing, let's say, the relationships in their life sure. that are causing a lot of undigested emotions, which are then creating the stressors. Those are the stressors that are creating a stress response, which is mm. creating inflammation, which is then creating the symptoms and the illness and the, and the disease. See, mm -hmm. it's a whole process, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's really important to consider all realms of your life to think about where, where could the toxins be coming from? Where are things being undigested, right? Inside of me, in my body, in my mind. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really the Ayurvedic perspective. And then what happens is that those toxins, if you don't address them in some way, um, if you don't digest them, don't process them, keep what you need, eliminate the rest, they will build up as toxic load over time, which will mm -hmm. cause even more problems. Right. Right. Okay. Thank you. That's a great explanation. So, okay. So when we're thinking about all those toxins and I know for me, gosh, when I was working, I was working in, an, in a highly, highly toxic, very fast paced corporate environment. And I kept getting more and more and more, and more sick. And I'm in some ways blessed because I was forced out of the, out of the workplace because I was so ill that they, they let me go because I wasn't capable of working, but you know, not everybody has that, you know, that situation where they're able to, um, you know, just say, Oh, I'm going to leave my job today or, you know, whatever the, or, you know, my husband or whatever the thing is that's causing the toxicity. So what practices can they employ to try to deal with some of these toxicities? If, if, getting rid of them entirely is not an option immediately. Right, exactly. I mean, and so, you know, elimination doesn't mean that you leave the job, leave the husband, leave the partner, do, you know, blow up your life. Right. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Eliminating right. means actually processing whatever is coming in. Okay. And, and, and actually letting go of what you don't need and keeping what you do. So if it is, it's, let's say it's a toxic work environment, it's a, you know, your job, you can't just blow up your life. That's not practical. I'm not about doing things like that. Right. The point is, is that actually becoming aware of the fact that that is where so much of your illness is coming from. That is the first step. Mm. Awareness is the key, right? Ayurveda is about being conscious and aware. That's the whole point. Yes. Being in sync with nature, nature, but to be in sync with nature, you have to be conscious. Yeah. You have to be aware. You have to be connected to nature, right? And aware that you're not connected to nature. Mm. So I think the awareness is the first piece, right? So become aware. So even just taking an inventory, what I call a toxic load inventory, 
you know, sort of doing a garbage dump basically, right? Where in these different areas of my life do I think there might be some issues, right? There might be some toxins coming from that area in my life. Now you decide, well, which ones, the, which ones of these can I actually deal with right now? Don't pick the hardest one. Mm-hmm. There's no need to do that. Pick, with a, pick a simpler one that you can deal with, you know, and then move on. And because it, it's like one, one step in the direction, it becomes momentum, right? Yes. So I have these people, you know, I have so many people who will say, well, you know, my marriage is a mess or my work is a mess. You know, I'm just going to leave it. Well, that that's going to cause you more stress. Exactly. You know? Let's start, let's start with, you know, maybe, you know, learning how to, how to deal with the negative uh, remarks that are coming from a coworker or from a partner or someone who lives in your home, right? Mm-hmm. How are you going to deal with that? So that's what you're getting at is that, you know, how are you going to react and process what's coming up for you? What's going on when you have these interactions without blowing up your life, right? The easiest way, the most uh, transformative way, there's two things, which is meditation mm-hmm. and breath. Yes. And those you can access anywhere, anytime, and they're free and you do not need to know any fancy techniques. Okay. So contrary to what is being put out there in the wellness world right now, you do not need to know, you know, fancy breath technique technique or have a fancy meditation pillow or any of that nonsense, right? That's wonderful. If you want to beautiful, if it supports your practice, that's great. But really it comes down to a few things. Meditation, start with two minutes, start with one minute a day. Link it to something you're already doing while you make your coffee in the morning or your tea. You know, maybe it's the first thing that you wake up, you put a little post-it note next to your bed and it just says meditate. Maybe it's just having gratitude and and meditating and and doing a small prayer or, you know, expressing gratitude, right? There's so many ways to do this. There's no right or wrong way. The point is, is that meditation does start to move you from that sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system. It helps you cope with everything that's happening in your life in a much better way. So that's the first thought for you. And and you can do what I call um, mindful pauses throughout the day, right? It's a very simple technique. Tell yourself, I'm going to do this five times a day. Um, or maybe I'm going to do it every time I have a meal, whatever, some kind of a trigger in your head to remember, or put an alarm on your phone. So you, what you're going to do for a mindful pause is basically take a deep breath, close your eyes, shift your focus away from whatever you were doing and to your internal wisdom. And just, you know, you can count your breath, you can notice the inhale, the exhale, and just take three mindful breaths. That's all you have to do. Yeah. And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes, say a prayer of gratitude and go back to what you're doing. Just adding those small pauses throughout the day is the momentum you need to build upon, Mm -hmm. which might lead to the five minutes of meditation in the morning and then to a 15 minute practice or whatever it is. right? Right. So those are some way that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is breath work. Okay. And breath work really comes down to this. Um, again, no fancy techniques needed there. You have the inhale and you have the exhale, two parts of the breath. If there's one thing you remember, just remember this, the inhale is activating and energizing. The exhale is calming, Mm. relaxing. Okay. 
depending on which one you, which energy you need, like, let's say it's in the afternoon and, and, you know, it's around that two, three o'clock time where everybody goes into this caffeine sugar slump, like they Mm -hmm. need to get something. You can try doing an energizing breath, which is focusing on the inhale versus anytime that you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed or to help you go to sleep or to relax, you want to focus on the exhale. Now, the way that you tap into either side of the breath is just by extending it, lengthening it. Okay. So if you have a natural breath pattern of let's just make the math easy, a two count inhale and a two count exhale, all you want to do is make your exhale a count of three or a count of four, right? It's really that simple. It's, it's profound what can happen. And there's a couple of different ways you can do that which I, you know, I talk a lot about on my podcast and in my book and in all those things that, you know, you can link it to a count, you can link it to uh, a movement or to an affirmation. Mm-hmm. But really, those are probably the most important ways to really start to deal with the toxins that are in your life, short of blowing up your life. Right, right? exactly. Which is not a great solution. So I, I like Correct. this approach much better. And I think my audience will too. Thank you for mm-hmm. that. Thank you of for course. that. So, you know, I just want to interject one other thing I heard recently, I heard somebody talk about when you're at a traffic light, you know, that's many times a cause for people Mm -hmm. to get stressed out, they're late, they're, you know, on the run, and oh, gosh, now it's going to take me a whole extra minute, what am I going to do? Rather than going there, reversing that and saying, Oh, this is my opportunity to take a pause and really take that pause, count your breath in that moment, slow down your breathing and and it's just, you know, it, it's really how, how we look at all these things in our lives. You know, it's, we can look at it as a stressful event, or we can look at it as an opportunity to take a pause and, yes. you know, and, and breathe and, and much like 2020 as a whole. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. you know, it, there were in many ways, it was, it was a lot of horrible things happened, but at the same time, uh, it was it was a moment of pause, and we all got a chance to kind of take a time out and relax and think about really what was important to us during that time. So, it's uh, it's perspective, I think, is huge. Absolutely. I know you recently had a podcast too, where you talked a lot about balance and balancing like the masculine and feminine energy and. This is something I actually did a solo episode on this this week because I have a a really strong tendency to get out of balance. And once I'm feeling better, which I have been feeling a lot better, I want to do more. And, you know, well, if, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm doing great with this amount, then more must be better. So I'll just keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's not how it works because, you know, I found myself falling back into illness again, once I, you know, once I started to take on too much. So can you talk about the importance of balance and how we can maintain some sort of balance in our lives? Yeah, you know, again, it it always comes back to awareness for me. Um, That's really where I always start. And so, you know, we live in a very masculine world, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, in a sense of masculine energy, right. And, you know, you may have already talked about this on your podcast, but you know, every human being has both masculine and feminine energy. And I believe to be a balanced human being, you need both and you need to tap into the gifts of both. The problem is, is that in our modern world, the masculine energy of doing, doing, doing is what is celebrated and rewarded. Mm -hmm. And the feminine qualities of being, of being creative, of receiving, of, uh, 
collaborating. Those are things that are, are not looked at as being huge strengths or um, they're not celebrated. They're not necessarily really rewarded either, right? And so, so many of us get caught in this, this world of always being in the masculine energy because we want to quote, succeed, whatever that means. And so I think that again, it's the awareness of really when you have symptoms, when signs are showing up, right? The symptoms that shows that there is an imbalance and it's time to consider where, are, where is the imbalance coming from? What part of my life is it coming from? Is it coming because I am constantly doing, 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 and I'm too much in my masculine energy versus my feminine energy. There's no balance of those energies, right? So again, it's the awareness and picking up on the signs that are being shown to you, right? And I think, again, that's sort of the key as well is the awareness that when signs show up, stop and listen. Yes. Stop and take notice consider where could it be coming from, right? Mm -hmm. And if you can get into the habit of doing this on a daily basis, a few times a day, but at least on a daily basis of thinking about, you know, I woke up with a slight headache today. I wonder why I have a headache. And then going back and considering the last 24 or 48 hours of your life and looking at all these different aspects of your life, what's going on, what's going on with my diet? What was I eating? You know, how are my relationships going? How have I been working a lot? Like really, you know, in the space that I'm in, have I been traveling? Not that that's what we're doing right now, but, right. you know, am I, am I in a space that's really cluttered and it's, you know, it's really stressing mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all things to think about and to really consider how is it having an effect on my balance within my, my well-being? And then is it showing up as a sign, as a symptom, which is this headache? right? Right. It's all about awareness. So that, that would really be my, my suggestion as far as staying in balance is again, become aware. And when the signs come up, consider where are they coming from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have a place to start with what to, uh, what changes to make, which is, I have to say, I'm proud of myself. That's what I did. I, I didn't do that for my entire life, <laughs> but I'm learning. And, um, you know, and I, I kind of had to relearn that lesson when I went through this recent kind of downturn, which wasn't anything horrific. It was, you know, a couple of days in bed, a couple of days on the couch, not being able to do all the things I wanted to do, but certainly not where I, where I want to be because I've made so much progress, but it was a reminder to me that, you know, staying in balance and keeping things at a, at a reasonable pace is so, so important. And, you know, I don't want to um, compromise my health by not doing that. So I am trying to get right. into my feminine energy more, which is always, uh, you know, I always lean more toward the masculine energy. So, mm-hmm. but that's, that's changing. Yeah. <laughs> that's changing. That's great. That's great. So Avanti, the name of the show is the chronically courageous. So I always like to ask my guests, how do you define courage? It's a good question. It's a hard question. Um, the first time displayed I it. <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, it's, it's funny because you, you know, I mean, when I think about you and the actions you took in your life, I mean, that was nothing short of very, very courageous because, you know, here you were in this very secure kind of revered career of being a doctor and, you know, and you, you, you made a very drastic change and that was extremely courageous, but you know, you did it for all the right reasons. And I, I have so much respect for that. So, 
certainly you've, you've, you've exemplified it, but I just want to know what. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, I think that what I would say is courageous is when you have the courage to stop and listen to your inner wisdom, because I do think that we are so trained in Western culture to listen to everything outside of ourselves to, you know, I wrote about this in my book, actually, you know, to play in groups and, you know, always take turns. And those are all wonderful things, but where's you can say to yourself and to the world, nope, listening to what my inner wisdom is telling me, I'm going to go in that direction. I'm going to trust my inner wisdom. That doesn't mean that you don't get advice from Mm -hmm. mentors or teachers or guides. You absolutely do. But you take all that information in, you sit with it, and then you access your own inner wisdom to come up with the answer. Mm. I would say that that's what courageous is to me. I love that. Yeah, because it's, it is so easy to fall into the patterns of what society tells us we should do and what we should be. And I know, you know, you had, I think, I think you had mentioned on one of your podcasts that, you know, you kind of had a lot of pressure to become a doctor or, or maybe not pressure, but it was just kind of the, the expectation mm-hmm. that that was the, the path that you were t- going to take. So I think it's, it's so easy for us to fall into those societal norms, whatever, you know, whatever society we're from or whatever culture we're from rather than listening to our inner wisdom. And when we do, we live a much more aligned life and a much more peaceful life and therefore a much healthier life. At least that's what I found for myself. So can you talk to us now a little bit about what you're up to? Tell us maybe about your book and your podcast and um, what kinds of things you're offering if people would like to work with you. Sure, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, So I um, have my book, the health catalyst it's available on amazon you can get links to all of this on my website which is avantikumarsingh.com it's my full name um that's also my instagram handle um i think that's actually how me and bonnie first connected was through instagram so um i'm on there a lot and i'm always direct messaging people trying to give them resources and helping them so my book is the first thing the second thing is is that i do do private consultations a limited number every month now Uh, uh, those are also available through my instagram handle in the link in my bio uh 90 minute consults that you can do with me um, and then 45 minute consults. But then actually what's really exciting that's coming up is that in July, I'm going to be starting a new online course uh, mm. that will be a really, really wonderful journey um, of coaching from me. It'll be a year long experience. And so that is coming. You can just get connected to me and then you'll get updates on that. So exciting. that's what's happening. Oh, and then also my podcast, which is the healing catalyst. And you can get that on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. But uh, again, you can get links to all of this through my website or through my Instagram. Yes. And I will definitely provide all of that in the show notes too. I'll link to the book and to your Instagram and your website so that people have no problem finding you. Great. I appreciate that. Of course. Of course. Before we close, is there anything else you'd like to share? No, thank you so much for having me. It's been really lovely talking to you and to your audience. I hope that they get a lot of value and benefit from this, which I'm sure they do. I think they absolutely will. Um, I really, really appreciate you sharing all your expertise. And I think it's, 
It's really wonderful that you have both the the Eastern medicine and the Western medicine perspective. It's, it's just, I think that just, it adds so much because you, you have, you have the full picture. You're not skewing toward one side or the other, but, um, and also the fact that you've, you know, you've been on the Western side and you, um, you know, now you know what's, what's working and more effective for you, which is what we're all trying to do is find, find those healing solutions that are most effective so that we can all go on this healing journey together. So I really, really appreciate you sharing your expertise and thank you so much for your time today. It means the world to me that you took your time and energy to listen to this entire episode of The Chronically Courageous. If you know others that would benefit from listening, please share it with them. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast player of choice. I welcome your feedback and questions. So please email me at bonnie at the chronically courageous.com. That's B O N N I at the chronically courageous.com. As always, I'm sending you so much love, happiness, and healing.